Hello, and welcome to another episode of Not a Writing Advice Podcast. I am Jerry, and I am your host as always. And this podcast is for writers, creatives, business people who want to tap into their creative side. And it's just a space to share uh, my writing path and the struggles and whatever is not about about giving advice. It is about sharing the experience. And I hope that there's some value in that. In this episode, I want to talk about how literature and poetry are art. And I want to talk about this from a couple of different angles, actually. Um, I wrote a blog post about how literature and poetry are art on my website, which I'll link to in the show notes for today. But I also want to talk about um, how it is kind of intimidating for some people. I want to talk a little bit about the gatekeeping aspects. And mostly I want to talk about the accessibility of literature and poetry. And I'll talk about that actually in a couple of different ways. And this is really important to me because I, in a former life, was a literature instructor. And so a lot of my students weren't literary students. They were in completely different fields of study, not sometimes in the sciences and stuff, but they needed some kind of humanities type of class in order to graduate. So they would take my class. Um, I taught a lot of adolescent literature. Um, uh, I can't even think of all the classes, but I always use like YA type novels. And I usually threw in some children's books as well, because we met for like six or eight weeks and I required a book a week for them to read. So it was a pretty reading intensive class and um, adolescent literature is tends to be a little bit uh, more easy to read both in the length and in the word choices <laughs> and it has no less value, in my opinion, than any other form of literature. So we studied adolescent literature a lot in my literature courses, and I feel like they were more accessible a lot of times than maybe some of the quote-unquote classics. And the reason why I didn't teach classics very often in my classes is because they tend to be inaccessible. They tend to be um, written by mostly white men and with a few women here and there tucked in. And a lot of times the women had to write either under a pseudonym, a male pseudonym name, and or um, as an anonymous. Um, so... There was a lot of very stringent, very one perspective view of what was considered good for the realm of what we consider the classics. And 
I just, I feel like it's not a good representation of what we could have experienced as a reader if we had been more open to other voices and why it's so important now to, now that we are starting to have easier access to more voices, either because the publishing industry is slowly starting to um, open up more opportunities for people who have not had the opportunities in the past, or because we're seeing a lot more indie authors, which I highly um, encourage supporting because um, they their books are, are generally not any less valid and less good than a traditionally published book. And in fact, my book that will be coming out later will also be self-published. I never even attempted to get an agent and I never attempted to try to sell it to a publishing house precisely because I didn't want to be part of the whole gatekeeping process. And I keep saying it on every single episode. I'm going to say it again. I'll probably talk about the gatekeepers more in depth in a a future episode. And in fact, my friend who has um, said that she was going to come on the show with me, um, we haven't set a date yet, so I don't want to announce it just yet. But we talk a lot about gatekeeping. So I wonder if she would be interested in sharing that topic with me when she comes on. So anyway, back to today's topic of literature and poetry as art and making it more accessible for people. And so how I did that in my classes and how I encourage you to do that now is not advice, it's just my experience. And if you want to take it, if you want to do this, then great. If not, then that's fine too. I still hope you get value out of this conversation is that whatever whatever has been said about what a piece of literature or a poem means, like by the experts, usually by the same gatekeepers who are stopping some voices from being published and heard, um, whatever they say that it means, that is not the end all be all answer. Yes, that is probably what some of the intentions were of the author. These people have been studying these works for a very, very long time and sometimes for their entire lives or their entire adult lives anyway. So I don't want to discount what they said. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that Whatever I bring to the story, like my beliefs, values, lived experiences, my um, experience and everything that I bring to the story when I turn the pages of the book is going to influence how I think about that book. So it may not, what I get out of the book may not be the canonized version of what the book means. Like, and that's valid. My feelings about the book, my thoughts are valid. And that's what I always told my students too, is I don't 
want you to necessarily tell me what the book means as far as what the experts say. I want you to tell me how it resonates with you. And I want you to justify that. So you can't just say, hey, this book is good. My students have to have more thought than that. But but the point is, is the whole idea that it has to mean like something it has to be it has to have a deeper meaning it may it may have a deeper meaning but it may not and it may not have the same deeper meaning for you as it does for me and both of our perspectives on that book is valid and one shouldn't be discounted over the other because i have taught literature and maybe you haven't that doesn't make your um your perspective of the book any less valid than mine. And my perspective of the book may be colored heavily by studying of past literature. So maybe my my view of the book is skewed. And so I I know I've talked about this book in the past and I'm probably going to talk about it again in the future because it really has impacted the way not the way that I think about things because I think I was already rethinking things like this, but this book almost gave me permission to rethink things in different ways. So Think Again by Adam Grant is the book that I'm talking about and have talked about before. And so just because I have maybe, maybe not more experience reading literature and poetry than the next person doesn't mean that what I know is any better than what you know. Especially in something as subjective as literature and poetry. If we were talking something more concrete that had factual things that could be proven, then perhaps this conversation might be slightly different. But for something as subjective as art, as literature, as poetry, Definitely, your, anybody's um, perspective is valid. So, also, I want to talk about how, for example, when I, I feel like that literature and poetry are sometimes separated from the artistic world, like, Art, when we think of art, it's more like paintings and perhaps photographs and drawings and things like that. And literature and poetry seem to almost be separate from that. But I want to just say it out loud that it is an art form. I am an artist as a writer. Writing is just how I portray my art. So literature and poetry is art. And so going back to how we perceive art, when you go to a museum and you look at a painting, unless you know a lot about paintings and art history and all of that stuff, you just, or at least I do, look at the painting and I see something like what I would want to see. Like I see, I see the brush strokes and the texture. Sure. 
and the colors and all of that stuff. But I don't understand like the importance of all of that. But that doesn't make me appreciate the painting that much less. I may appreciate it more if I have all the history and context of the painting. But that I don't think, I know that doesn't make sense. That I wouldn't appreciate a painting less than, but I could appreciate it more. Maybe we can just think about that for a minute. <laughs> Because I don't think that I don't appreciate a painting any less than anybody else unless they have, but no, no, no let me just backtrack. I don't want to even compare my um, appreciation of something to somebody else because we're going to have different perspectives. And even if they have an art history background, they may hate the painting and not appreciate it at all, whereas I appreciate it immensely. So, again, it's just like that, you know, perspective of I, I bring to the painting what I bring to it with all of my history and knowledge and experience and whatever. And so, do, so does the person next to me. And they might have different they more than likely have different perspectives than I do. And that's okay. We can have different reactions, different feelings about a painting, just like we can have different feelings, reactions about literature and poetry. And so I've talked about this in the past where I don't really feel like you need to know like the... Um, definitions of all the literary devices or the different forms of poetry or all of the tricks of the trade, so to speak, or the vernacular for literature and poetry. I don't think you really need to know all of that stuff in order to gain some appreciation for the art form. And so that's how I approached my classes back in the day when I taught literature is that you just had to justify, my student just had to justify their reasoning for what they said about the poem or the book. But it also switches over to whenever you write. Like, does a writer absolutely need to know what a metaphor is and what a simile is and and have that knowledge in their heads in order to write a compelling story? Do they even need to have good grammatical skills in order to share a compelling story? And I would argue, no, that none of that needs to really be part of their skill base if they have a good story that is compelling and you want to read more. Because all the other stuff can be fixed, like the grammar stuff, that can be fixed. But telling a great story, that's that's the magic. So I don't think that you necessarily have to know all of that stuff. And that's kind of why, probably I'll talk about this more in another podcast too, that I have kind of moved away from being such 
so, so focused on grammar and stuff. So whenever I read something, I don't freak out quite as much whenever I see a word spelled wrong or if there's a typo or there's like a comma misplaced or whatever. Because I'm certainly not perfect. You can look at my blog posts on my website and see that I'm not perfect. So why would I put that standard on somebody else? I mean, I don't, I don't understand why I would do that. So I quit doing that. I mean, I still notice them. I'm not going to lie, but I don't stop reading and be like, oh gosh, I just can't read this anymore because of all the typos. Now, if it's really something that it's hard to read because the sentence structures and all of that stuff is, is not um, well formatted, then maybe I'll stop reading. But but I, I do want to reiterate the fact that we don't need to know all of, all of the stuff in order to write a compelling story. And the same with poetry. I don't think that we need to have all the poetic nuance information in order to appreciate poetry or to write poetry. And I think that people have a tendency to shy away from poetry because it just feels a little bit pretentious. And maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe you don't feel that way at all. But just in my experience personally with people and my students, people do tend to have preconceived notions about poetry. And the same with graphic novels. They have preconceived notions about graphic novels as well, which I also always included in my classes because I feel like graphic novels are just as valid literature as anything else. And they tell great stories and they have the added benefit of great artistry, um, drawings and paintings and things. So I really just kind of want to take away some of the pretentious attitudes around literature and poetry particularly and make it more accessible to people and what would that look like so in my class using poetry to survive the workplace i i did share information about poetry like different literary devices and the different forms of poems and things like that and when it reopens um for enrollment again, all of that stuff will still be in there. Because I think that if you want to learn more about poetry, um, I don't think it hurts the appreciation process. But I also don't think it's needed for the appreciation process. Because I can read a poem and get something completely out of it, completely different out of it than even the poet intended. And that's okay. Even though the poet didn't intend whatever I came up with, it's fine. That's still what I came up with. And in fact, when I share the um, perspective of my what I got out of a poem for, to the poet, I often get um, comments like, oh, I didn't even intend for that. That's really exciting that you got that out of it. So while the poet will probably have some idea of the information that they want to convey. At least in my experience, they are open to other interpretations. They don't... I'm sure that there's poets out there that don't like it when people interpret their 
poems incorrectly. And I'm sure that there's literature professors and poetry professors out there that will cringe if they ever hear this podcast about how I don't think that all of this stuff really matters in the grand scheme of things, especially if you're not going I mean, if this isn't your field of study, then why do you necessarily need to know all the literary devices and what they mean? I just want people to feel comfortable picking up a book or picking out a poem and reading it and being comfortable enough to be able to express what they feel about the poem and be able to justify or not even justify, be able to explain why they feel that way if they want to, or if, you know, they're with people that they're just talking about poetry. Poetry. I want them to feel like they have as much agency and as much validity in their interpretation of the written art form than anybody else, even if they're scholars. So I guess that's where I'm going to end it today because, well, this is just where I'm going to end it. So basically the big takeaway for today's show is whatever you feel about a piece of literature and or poetry, then it's valid. So just go with that. And I want to thank you so much for listening to another episode of Not a Writing Advice Podcast. And I hope that I will see you again next week when we talk about, I don't know what yet, but I'm sure it'll be something interesting. (laughs) And I will see you next week. Thank you.